Welcome to CTSNet to Go, bringing your discussions about the most relevant topics in cardiothoracic surgery. The Cardiothoracic Surgery Network, known as CTSNet, aims to connect the global cardiothoracic surgical community through communication, collaboration, education, and interaction among cardiothoracic surgeons and their teams across the globe. Learn more at ctsnet.org. My name is Shanda Blackman, and I'm just one of the hosts of CTSNet to Go. We hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to this CTSNet Roundtable. My name is Mara Antonoff, and I'm a general thoracic surgeon at MD Anderson Cancer Center. Wellness for Physicians has received elevated attention in recent years, as we've learned more about burnout and its negative consequences for medical professionals. A lot of attention has been given to issues surrounding diet, exercise, management of stress, and getting adequate sleep. Now, as we find ourselves amidst a pandemic and physicians are on the front lines with many new stressors and reduced resources, concerns of physician wellness are more important than ever. Today, we'll be discussing these issues with a panel of outstanding guests. I look forward to hearing their thoughts on this important topic. Before we get started, I'd like to ask each of the panelists to introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Melanie Edwards. I'm a general thoracic surgeon at St. Joe's Mercy in Ann Arbor. Hi, everyone. My name is Brian Mitzman. I am a general thoracic surgeon with NYU Langone Health. Hey, everybody. I'm Erin Golaski. I'm a general thoracic surgeon at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, before we jump into maintaining wellness, let's just chat about why it matters so much right now. I'm wondering if you could each share with us your individual perspectives as to why now, more than ever, wellness is a concern for you. Dr. Edwards, would you like to start? I'd love to. So I think on top of the stressors that we face on a daily basis, there are a lot of new things that are um, that we have to deal with. And one of the main issues I, I think that creates the additional stress is the uncertainty. Um, as human beings, we like to know what to expect. And I think for most of us, even under the most challenging of circumstances, if we have a difficult case, we know how to plan for it. We know how to prepare for it. We know how to um, get through a lot of the um, typical challenges, but there are so many unknowns that nobody knows what to expect. You don't know what's going to happen between today and tomorrow. Guidelines and recommendations from our institutions keep changing, yet our patients are looking to us for certain answers when the uh, diseases that we have to treat. So there are a lot of new uh, problems that are creating additional stress. Oh, I totally agree. All of those unknowns are, are really putting a heavy weight on us as physicians. Dr. Gillespie, do you want to comment on any other additional factors right now that you think could be contributing to some of the um, stressors in our lives? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, unfortunately, wellness is, is always an important concern, and it often falls so far down on our to-do list is taking care of ourselves. And so I think at baseline, a lot of times we're already carrying a lot of stress. Um, but now in particular, you know, we're experiencing stress from so many different aspects. Um, just as Dr. Edwards mentioned, the uncertainty of the ultimate impact, how long it will last, when will life get back to normal, also the significant loss of life that's impacting us all, either as caregivers, family members, friends, um, we're all worried about our family and friends. Um, and, and those factors alone can cause a lot of unrest. Um, and for a lot of us also, our jobs look very different right now. We're not doing the cases that we're used to doing. We have a much heavier administrative burden. We're managing and leveraging new technologies like Zoom. Uh, <laughs> right. The new rules that we're not used to. And so I think trying to maintain a balance in, in all of this chaos is, is really important and a challenge. 
Oh, for sure. Dr. Mitzman, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, so I agree with everything that was said so far. Um, you know, I work in one of the hot zones, so my experience has been very unique. And one of the real unique things is I've had numerous um, uh, colleagues and friends that have gotten very sick, and we've had to take care of them as our patients. And, um, you know, one of one of those people was actually one of our surgical physician assistants. And uh, despite doing everything that we could, he, he actually passed away last week. Um, so when we talk about physician wellness, you know, we all go into work and just dealing with this virus, the day-to-day -day stressors, um, it's very important to take care of ourselves, but then also to recognize that, you know, things like this are going to have a toll on us emotionally and we have to recognize it and take care of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, um, an incredible uh, toll that that must be taking on you and your colleagues and so many others who are in similar positions uh, in this country and worldwide. So obviously our most sincere sympathy is, is with you and we, are, we really um, feel for the difficult position that you and your colleagues must be in right now, kind of at the epicenter in New York. And it's, you know, one of the issues that we're dealing with is that despite the fact that our wellness needs right now might actually be greater than they've ever been before, we're actually finding that many of the outlets for maintaining wellness that we used to rely upon are actually no longer available to us with the needed social distancing that we're all experiencing. Um, so I'm wondering if we can just take a moment and comment on um, what our efforts might have been to maintain wellness before the pandemic occurred. So for me personally, I really enjoyed going out to restaurants with friends and family. That was a great uh, way for me to relax. I also really enjoy going to exercise classes where there's a lot of people in the same room as me doing the same workout at the same time. Those are things that aren't available anymore. So I'm curious if the rest of the panel could just share what types of things they used to do prior to the pandemic to ensure their own wellness. So I'll start. Um, similarly, Mara, I'm not quite as um, um, vigorous in terms of exercise, but I, I do miss my yoga classes and, and that's something that's not available uh, right now. Um, you know, I'll go to an occasional dance class um, just to let off some steam. Um, eating out with friends, you know, is, a, has, is similarly uh, one of those other um, outlets. And, and it's simple, you know, none of us has time for a complicated routine, but these are things that you look forward to um, when you have the time to do them and, and they're not available. Yeah, you know, it's, Dr. Gillespie? Yeah. it's interesting. I've always thought of wellness in kind of a multifaceted way, I guess. Um, and so I do things to keep my body healthy. Like I love to run. I love to go to boxing classes. Um, I like to do things that I call kind of feeding my soul, right? So I do a lot of volunteer work in our local communities or with Hands on Nashville and the YWCA. Um, I have season tickets to the Nashville Symphony, season tickets to our hockey team, the Nashville Predators. And I think the common thread to all of those things is I'm surrounded by people for them. Um, so much of what I do in life is, is surrounded by people. Um, and so it's been really interesting trying to find ways to adapt all of those things that I love that really fuel me in my personal life um, uh, during this time, during this pandemic. And Dr. Mitzman, what, what types of things did you used to do for wellness prior to all of the current changes? Yeah, I think the, the emphasis is on uh, used to do. Um, right. We actually, uh, I have a three and a half year old and a four month old. So even before the pandemic, we, we didn't have a lot of free time, but you know, my wife and I really enjoyed our occasional date nights where we'd get to go out to restaurants and just spending time with family. And that's clearly changed with the pandemic. Um, no one's going anywhere right now. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, family is an interesting dynamic for, for all of us in different ways. So for me, one of the big stressors, of course, is the safety of my family. I'm still residing in the same home as my spouse and my four children. But at the same time, I feel really lucky because my family provides me with a lot of company and camaraderie during what can otherwise feel like a very isolating and lonely time. Um, and so I, and I know that um, uh, Dr. Mitzman, your family has been relocated away from you and um, Dr. Edwards, Dr. Gillespie, that um, you probably are spending a lot more time alone right now than you used to. I'm curious what you all think is the relevance of staying connected to others during such a chaotic time. And I'm wondering if you can share some of the mechanisms you might have used to maintain social support uh, during this unusual time, maybe starting with Dr. Mitzman, since you're currently separated from your family. Sure, yeah. Um, I am not a good example of physician wellness at the moment, to be <laughs> completely honest. Um, so I started leading the tracheostomy team at my hospital about four weeks ago. And when I started doing that, even though the risk to children is low, I was very worried about bringing the virus home to, to my wife. Um, so we made the decision that she would take the kids and go stay with uh, my in-laws about half an hour from here. So uh, normally, you know, my wife's my rock. My family is very important to me. That's who I decompress with after a long day. And I don't have that anymore. Um, and it's, it's been very difficult. Um, and I'm trying to figure out a way to get them home safely. But as you said, family is unbelievably important for all of us anytime, especially now. Uh, so FaceTime has been really a godsend. So aside from FaceTime, um, uh, Dr. Edwards, Dr. Glassby, have you found any other ways to stay connected with folks during this social distancing period? Uh, yes, yeah, so um, a group of friends uh, and myself, we, we've been doing weekly Zoom meetings to um, connect in person because, again, similar to FaceTime, that, that real-time face-to-face connection is important. Um, I've been using Marco Polo as well, another app for video messages mm -hmm. so you can you know, see people, and that's been, those have been the two primary ways in addition to just more frequent contact and checking in even by text and then uh, calling people, you know, um, on a regular basis um, to check in and see how they're doing. So I've been maintaining connectedness as much as possible. I'm an introvert, so I probably don't miss as much of the outward bound um, activities, but, you know, we still, you know, no one's 100% introverted. Uh, introverted, so I've been uh, feeding my soul that way too. Yeah, Dr. Glasby? Uh, very similar to, to um, what Dr. Edwards has been doing. I've made a concerted effort to just stay connected. And so, you know, all the people that I've been meaning to call and, you know, I just got off work too late, I've been reconnecting with, which has been wonderful. And so friends from college, friends from medical school, friends from, you know, residency, I've been reconnecting with, which has been beautiful, both so that I could check on them and, and make sure that they're well, but also so that we could kind of reconnect and, you know, redevelop our friendship. Um, lots of Zoom meetings, Zoom happy hours. We did a Zoom Harry Potter um, uh, meeting last week and uh, yeah. to the light, most people actually dressed up. I was highly underdressed in just like that was people were in full on robes. That's fantastic. Oh, yes, no, I've, I've been impressed with the types of things that you can do over these devices. So aside from the fact that we're carrying on a lot of committee meetings and um, around tables and um, yeah. telemedicine, my kids are engaged in schoolwork and activities with their classmates from my, um, my oldest who is 12 and then my 10 year old and my four year old are all engaged with Zoom meetings, Zoom sing-alongs. <laughs> and um, in one weekend actually, my kids played bingo with their cousins and grandparents oh. in Minnesota over Zoom. And then that later on in the same weekend, um, saying happy birthday to another cousin in Maryland. 
And these are family members that, you know, because of our roles as physicians, we move around so much, especially in academic surgery, because, you know, that's just the nature of the job. And so we aren't that close to our extended family physically. And so it actually, now that everyone is relying on these kind of technological means of communicating, it's actually making it um, easier, making it more familiar for us so that hopefully we can continue some of these new skills that we've learned in the future to stay connected with people that we don't always see. And I love the idea of the Zoom happy hours. We've actually done a couple Zoom uh, dress up get togethers, not uh, Harry Potter, but we did one um, Zoom luau and everyone dressed and had you know appropriate food and, and drinks. And we also did one that was with the theme of um, uh, stadium night since we can't go to the stadiums and we all wore our favorite sports apparel and and whatnot. So we can really get creative with some of this stuff. But um, of course, it's not the same thing as being there in real real life. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've talked a little bit about the importance of socialization in wellness and being connected with other people. Um, we've also talked a little bit about, you know, Dr. Edwards mentioned yoga and I mentioned, um, you know, some of the other things that I used to like to do before all of this happened. Personally, I feel also very lucky that I have in my own home, I have a Peloton bike and a mirror, which is another um, live streaming uh, exercise uh, um, uh, fitness uh, modality. And I've found a ways to live stream a number of other exercise classes. I'm curious if anyone else taken advantage of these kind of alternative means of exercise or physical fitness. And also, whether you think it's important to do those types of things right now, or should people just give themselves a break? I've heard both of those kind of differing perspectives. Like you're in the middle of a pandemic, just let it go, give yourself a, a break. But a lot of others have felt that it's important to maintain routine. So curious on your perspectives. Well, I'll start. I think that the benefits just both physically and mentally for uh, exercise are tremendous. So I, I don't know that it's necessarily giving yourself a break as giving yourself a break, meaning you're recharging and you are allowing your body and mind to refocus, um, kind of get rid of some of the um, excessive thoughts, you know, after an exercise session, you know, you'll go in with a nagging problem and a lot of times you'll come out with a solution or you'll come out with a lot more, uh, a lot more clear minded. So I too have been using the Peloton. I've been using the yoga classes on the Peloton app and um, using that as a substitute for live, live exercise. I uh, am not fortunate enough to have a Peloton in my home. I'm quite jealous of both of you ladies. Um, but I've still been running outside. I've been, just like you guys, streaming a lot of exercise programs online, which has been really fun. I've tried new things that I've never done before. Um, I also live on the 15th floor of my condo building, so I do what I now call <laughs> stadiums. <laughs> and I've been down the stairs, <laughs> probably much to my neighbor's chagrin. But, um, but I've been doing that. And, and I have to absolutely agree that um, for me personally, exercise just makes me feel better. So it's been really important for me to continue that and to maintain that. Um, I can't, I can't honestly say if that's right for everybody. Um, and so, you know, giving yourself a break or continuing an aggressive program, I think everybody has to kind of find the balance that's right for them. Um, the right frequency, the right, um, the right thing. But, uh, but I agree. I certainly uh, derive a lot of wellness benefit from it personally. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Dr. Mitzman, I, I want to ask you a different question. Um, let me take this in a bit of a different direction. Um, you know, we're all trying to find ways to maintain normalcy, to continue um, with our fitness routines the best we can and trying to connect with others. But nonetheless, it's still really normal for people to feel sad, stressed, and grieving during this time. And I'm wondering if you can comment on how do we recognize what's normal and what, may be, what might actually be concerning among our colleagues or even ourselves? And I'm wondering if you have any tips or advice on 
how we can discern if, if it's normal grieving through what we're going through or if there's something that we should be concerned about in a colleague. Yeah, so I am a firm believer right now that nobody is okay, especially if you're in one of the hot <laughs> zones. Everyone will say they're fine, we're not okay. It's very important to be checking in on your friends and, and your family, even people not in healthcare, people that are out of work, people whose routines have been so drastically changed. And even if they say they're okay, they're probably not. Um, so just check in on your friends and family more, keep an eye on your colleagues. Um, you know, we're surgeons, we're trained to be stoic and to just push through and to have grit. But I really believe that when this is all said and done, there's gonna be a lot of PTSD out there. And you know, going to a therapist, talking to somebody is okay. Everyone should do it. Everyone in, who's been taking care of a lot of COVID patients, I think should go talk to a therapist at least once when this is all over, just to make sure deep down we're, we're really okay. I think those are really important points. And, um, you know, it's, it's really tragic. We've heard more and more stories in the news of healthcare professionals, even to the point that they're taking their own lives because of the stress and the, um, the, the very serious grieving that takes place and the trauma that they're experiencing in their day-to-day -day lives. And um, certainly, I don't think any healthcare professionals that are alive today have ever experienced anything like this in their careers or, or in their lives before. And I think there are a lot of unknowns, but I, I believe that all the points you've made are, are very important that we continue to look out for one another. Um, Dr. Glassby, Dr. Edwards, do you have any comments in, in this realm? Yeah, so I would echo uh, Brian's point that it is, it, you know, everything is terrible and it's not okay. And we are not okay. And it's, a, it's appropriate to um, recognize that it is okay to not be fine. Um, I think fine is one of those kind of um, uh, terms that we use when we're not. And, um, you know, that acknowledgement goes a long, a long way. We are going to be sad and we're going to be angry. We're going to be afraid. And we have good reasons to be that and, 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 and kind of sitting with it without trying to um, immediately push those emotions away will go a long ways to helping us in the long term. I think we're really used to pushing our emotions down, buffering with food, alcohol, you know, distracting, but it's really important to recognize the, the emotions are going to come whether we acknowledge them or not. They're either going to come now or later on with, you know, um, outbursts, you know, depression, whatnot. So um, I think, I think uh, it's key to, to recognize that it's okay to feel bad. I could not Dr. Agree. Edwards, can I ask you a follow-up question? I know that you are a bit of an expert, I would say, in um, the importance of sleep and one's wellness. And so when people are having all of these emotions and these feelings and, and they're not okay, do you have a couple of maybe top three tips for people who are struggling to get adequate sleep in this type of um, type of environment? Yeah. So one is to number one, develop a routine um, so that you have a consistent time of going to bed and waking up. Number two, I know the personally, you know, a glass of wine always seems like a nice thing to do to relax, but um, alcohol actually does interfere with your sleep if had within about three hours of bedtime. Um, and the uh, fourth thing I would say is, I mean, the third thing I would say is think about a journaling practice or some mechanism where on a day-to-day -day basis, you take all the stuff that's, that's going and just put it on a paper and just get it out so that then you've at least 
um, purged, kind of like a mental hygiene, so to speak, before you go to bed. Um, so those are my two, uh, three suggestions. Oh, that's really terrific. Well, our time is running short, but I'm hoping that also Dr. Glassby and Dr. Mitzman, if you could share with us some closing tips regarding um, maintaining wellness and um, trying one's best to uh, try to take care of oneself during this really challenging time. Maybe Dr. Glassby first. Sure. I think this is um, such a timely discussion right now. I think these are things we should all be talking about kind of all the time going through this and trying to help and support one another. Just to echo what all of you have said today on the, on the chat is that we just need to be there for each other. And sometimes it's literally just being an ear to listen. And sometimes when people are stressed, they need to say the same thing over and over and over again, and that's okay. And just being able to listen, allowing a person to purge, allowing them to kind of connect with their emotions, to sort through things, I think is of paramount importance. Um, I agree that I don't think um, anybody should feel fine. And, and one of my fears is that if we wait until the pandemic is, is over, however we define that, before addressing the mental health needs of our colleagues, of everybody really across our country right now who's been touched by this, I think we're going to be too late. We're already hearing these tragic stories, and I think really we need to, we need to act now. We need to support each other now and find ways to, to, to come together and, and to continue to make our way through this. Well, that's really tremendous advice. I really, really appreciate those comments. Dr. Mitzman, do you have any closing uh, thoughts or words of advice for our uh, listeners? I think it's all really been said already. Um, the biggest thing right now is to be there for each other. We're all in this together. Everyone is hurting. Everyone is suffering to get through this. Checking on your friends and family and just, you know, like Dr. Gillespie said, uh, lend an ear to everybody and just be available. Well, thank you all very much for your uh, fantastic participation on this panel, and we'd like to thank our audience very much for listening. Thanks. Thank you for listening to CTS Net to Go, your resource for podcasts focusing on cardiothoracic surgery. Find more discussions as well as surgical videos and other cardiothoracic surgery resources at ctsnet.org. You can also keep up with CTSNet by subscribing to the YouTube channel at CTSNet Video, by following at CTSNet.org on Twitter, or by liking CTSNet's page on Facebook. I'm Shanda Blackman. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of CTSNet to Go. Have a great day.